What's up, Glenn and Infants on Thrones panel? This is Tom. Uh, I just wanted to give some thoughts on Under Banner of Heaven TV series, episode four, which was titled Church and State. I actually enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Um, I did have some issues, but what I particularly liked was... The thing I hear most when I hear Mormons referenced in any kind of podcast, just in general, is just how kind and nice and, you know, amicable they are. And that's true. And it's a really wonderful quality overall, too. But there's that potential for the passive aggressive. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and that it can be so cruel wrapped up in the nicest bow. So your second choice then is, do you really take the power into yourself? and no longer let the church have any power over you. Because if you do that, you also forfeit any any power you might have had onto the church. I don't know. I mean, I think we're thinking about power in different ways. Because <laughs> to, to me, the power can't be forfeited. And it, and it never was the church's. They matter a lot to a lot to of a people. To a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and that's the choice that is being made by the people to say, just like it was the choice of me to walk away and go, you know what, I'm not going to give you guys the power here. Like, where does the power really exist then? Does, does the power exist in them and in this institution that's taken on a life of its own? Or for me that says, you know, no, I'm, I'm going to ignore that. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion? Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone we are recording all right hey 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 so ren and jess how are you doing tonight I'm I'm feeling good. I'm kind of it's kind of a bummer day because I have to, I'm going in for electrolysis on my lip this weekend, and so I've had to grow out my upper lip hairs, which is always frustrating. What? Wait. What? Tell me what what is the electrolysis on the lip? Uh, so electrolysis is a permanent hair yeah removal, hair removal yeah right yeah so they stick a they stick a needle in your hair follicle and then zap yeah. it. Electric electricity. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really fun. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do you have to do it? A lot. I've been doing it for two years. Oh my gosh. How how frequently do you have to do it in between? Um so like how long I, does it take? I go for one hour sessions once a week, every week. Um i you know, sometimes of course I miss like or, or you know, I have something I've come up, but um and so in the time that I've, so like I said, I've been doing it for about two years. I've probably had 40 sessions or more. Um, and, uh, 
I think I've permanently removed probably um, maybe half of the facial hair that I have. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So do you have to do it the same amount of time <laughs> moving forward? Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to oh, be another God. 40 sessions. Wow. Wow. That, that is You're commitment. Yeah. Seriously. Way to go, Ren. All right. So we are here to discuss. What about Jess? How's Jess? Oh, yeah, that's right, Jess. How's, <laughs> how's your electrolysis going, Jess? It's going great. Yeah. I'm all done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I graduated. <laughs> no. Uh, Thursdays are awesome for me because it's like the weekend. My husband doesn't work on Fridays. So, yeah, yeah we get the party started earlier. That's Thursday. cool. Yeah. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. Very all nice. Right. Cool. Well, we have got uh, a special uh, guest tonight, sort of. <laughs> so Tom Perry of uh, Original Infants on Thrones wanted to join us last week, um, wasn't able to, had the like flat tire or something, some excuse he made up, I think. Super lame. Super lame. Uh, and then tonight, an even lamer excuse, his daughter has a softball game that he has to attend. I mean, come on, mm. like priorities, right? Not that important. <laughs> but he did, he did record some thoughts on episode four of uh, Under the Banner of Heaven. And I know that each of you and I as well have some thoughts. So let's start with Tom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play. I think there's four clips that I divided them into. We can kind of respond a little bit to what Tom says and then launch into our own stuff. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. All right. What's up, Glenn and Infants on Thrones panel? This is Tom. Uh, I just wanted to give some thoughts on Under Banner of Heaven TV series, but more exclusively episode four, which was titled Church and State, because I just watched it last night, and I wanted to join you, you guys on the panel today, but I had forgotten about my daughter's softball game. But, but I wanted to give some thoughts Lame, right? on it, because yeah. I actually enjoyed this episode quite a bit. Um, I did have some issues, but what I particularly liked was, well, I, I like how there's a lot, it felt like there was a lot more backstory to the Lafferty's, especially Dan and, uh, and some with Ron of sort of alluding to their potential motive. But I would have, I would like more of the conflict of like are we really going to like think about polygamy again are we really going to think about um because that to me is like such a very deep thing if if you're a mormon and then you're going to break away from mainstream you're going to go more fundamentalist that's a that's a big shift and i feel like that i would like to explore that more i'd like to because that it doesn't happen overnight and in the tv show it doesn't really explore it the way I would prefer because it's such a big deal <laughs> because I mean in, in a way I guess it's someone who goes from a law-abiding citizen to then committing criminal acts you know like Dan does where he runs away from the cops and whatever all right that's Tom's first comment so he's he's happy to see more backstory with the Lafferty's kind of exploring and foreshadowing their motive and also wishes that they had spent a little bit more time exploring the shift from not being polygamous to becoming polygamous. What do you guys think about that? He's right. Polygamy is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not overnight. It doesn't seem like it, it would be, 
but I have a feeling we'll see more. And I haven't watched any of the new episode, but I have a feeling oh. that this was just kind of the beginning of getting the ball rolling, getting into polygamy. Yeah. I, I have watched episode five. I watched oh, you it did. today. Yeah. And wow. there is there is more, but but not not kind of what Tom's asking for of like backstory I, stuff. Yeah, like could, what what I heard Tom say was that I'd like to see the human struggle of like kind of weighing the pros and cons and like, is this really what we should be doing? Is this not, you know, not just kind of like a, all of a sudden we're in. Yeah, we're in. <laughs> kind of. The struggle with the Lafferty men, though, yeah. it seems, especially with that whole contradiction of going against the law, you know, like yeah. government stuff, it seems like they prioritize the higher law or, you know, whatever religious, you know, ideal they hold that takes precedent. And then yeah. they're always competing. They're always trying to like get in there for power. And I don't know. Yeah. It seems like that's kind of a, a recipe for them looking for a better way or more power. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it definitely Friend. was a very rapid, like, uh, onset of becoming a law unto themselves, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the the very first episode, it, like Alan in his first little interrogations with uh, Andrew Garfield with Jeb, he he was like, well, about a year ago, this stuff started happening, and so I guess the time frame we're looking at is like a year, right? And it's really hard for me to see Dan especially go like from the the first little dinner picnic together with the Lafferty's it seemed like Dan was just like a Ned Flandersy Mormon guy right <laughs> and uh to see him all of a sudden like smoking and like entertaining like uh you know cheating on his wife and entertaining like polygamy in such a quick amount of time was kind of like eh, I don't know that like I kind of agree with Tom like I wish I would have seen more well you saw the hotel scene know. where he's getting all amped up right and then he grew a mustache and that's a slippery yeah. slope so. <laughs> true true yeah. you, know, you know you know what he could have used pieces. he could have used some electrolysis yeah there you that's go. how you get to the 12 right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i i mean i think i'm a little over i think i'm a little over this show at this point <laughs> are you you already think, watched the other episode though <laughs> i know yeah so yeah but it's uh, the, the way that they portray the lafferty's and kind of all of the mormons really is such a caricature like i don't i don't feel like i'm watching real people making real decisions struggling with mm. real challenges i feel like i'm watching a comic book um with these really, really exaggerated, like accentuating how nuts and crazy they are. And it's just like, and, and there's this kind of crazy, that's the Lafferty kind of crazy. And then there's just kind of like the regular Mormon kind of crazy, but it's all like over, uh, I don't know. It just feels kind of like heavy handed to me. That's and over interesting. The top. Yeah. Kind of like I flipped. Like, yeah, yeah I did. No, you were really into it. Oh yeah. yeah. First, first episode. I'm like, ah, yeah, I, I love this. And then as you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, See, I'm that's, tiring of it. 
that's how I felt in the beginning. And I've just kind of committed to it being yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, okay, this is what it's going to be. They're going to be kind of outlandish and yeah, I don't know. It just is what it is. But yeah. the thing I'm, I've been most curious about through this whole, I mean, up until season or episode four now is just the way that it's being received. And I've noticed a couple articles lately from, um, like Mormon scholar type people or, you know, whatnot, really putting an emphasis on how wrong all of it is. Oh, yeah. So that, I don't know. I think that's interesting, but. Yeah, like I, the, I haven't seen any of that stuff. What, what are they saying? Either. There yeah. was something today, I think a Slate article or something um, that was just highlighting or really it's kind of in the style of the past of where they, so I know Lindsay Hansen Park has been has worked on this a lot. Yeah. I don't know exactly what her role has been, but she's produced a lot of it and been, you know, a major influence. She's got a credit. Yeah, there's a she has yeah. all the credits. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if she wrote, but anyway, they use her character and kind of straw man like she's not a scholar. She's not a oh, they're you know, so taking her da- taking shots at Lindsay at everyone. Oh, <laughs> so it's yeah. just anything they can do to kind of undercut and make it so it's not very credible but i think it's missing the point those articles Mm -hmm. too that are picking it apart because overall it has kind of a message to it that i still think is coming through Mm. (laughs) so what what message just the potential danger of you know giving people too much power or Mm. having certain doctrines in place that could be taken way too far and you know i don't know it to me, it seems like trauma is a big uh, aspect of all of this too, and how it shows up over time, like cultural, mm. you know, if you, you do the flashbacks and you see these traumatic scenes in Mormon history play out and how it's born out of that, what we have now, you know, like we are so much of Mormonism is descended from, you know, those early events and that carries through whether it's, you know, brazen, you see it, you know, right out front, or if it's more like passive or mm. seeps into stuff, but yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's, let's jump into the next comment of Tom. we got a couple more of him hey, and then, and then yeah. we're going to like really dig in. Yeah, then, we're gonna... then we're going to really dig in. After we get Tom out of the way. (laughs) Okay. Two, um, two problems that I have, and I don't know if this is just subjective. So hear me out. The scene where the stake president comes into the detective office and confronts Jeb. Um, that feel, that felt unrealistic to me. I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) It's possible you know, in the 80s, mm-hmm. the stake presidents would exude that much, I don't know, authority or gravitas, I guess, and essentially like put a detective in his place in public. That's what was really strange to me is that Jeb was like, hey, can we go into my office and talk about this privately? And the stake president says no. And so that was a that was an intentional thing that the stake president was doing there by essentially shoving in his face or telling or kind of letting him know giving him like an ultimatums or a threat um it was very off-putting especially 
here's here's well I'm I'm conflicted about a couple things cuz I I personally have had in my own experiences where you trust and you hope that confidences are held when you're talking to a bishop or a stake president and then that goes up the ladder so like if I'm talking to my bishop in a meeting or an interview and I tell him some things and then I meet up with the stake president and come to find out all bets are off like he, there was no confidences held whatsoever and I felt betrayed I really liked the way that was reflected when the stake president was confronting Jeb um, saying you know I talked to Bishop so-and-so and, and he told me about you're asking some very unsavory questions and blah 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 um, I did like that but I just don't I, I felt a little off put that the stake president would confront him like that and sort of like uh, put him in his place it's like and maybe that was sort of the intention right church and state so it, it feels and that's the other thing too is I feel like the church has way less influence like overall over uh, government and law enforcement stuff now than it did you know 20 30 years ago or even 40 years ago so I don't know. I it's hard for me to remember in the '80s because I was a kid <laughs> of uh, what that was like. If it, if the church really did hold that much sway, so it's interesting though. All right. Yeah, I think I'd I'd agree. There's way there was a lot of deference to that stake president and even like the bishop, like you know. But even especially that stake president scene was like, come on. You see your stake president, like especially in Utah, there's like uh, ten stake presidents for every like you know gas station. <laughs> ten stake presidents for every gas station. I love it. I don't hey, know. But how else do you get across kind of that mm -hmm. uh, the largeness of that kind of calling? Though you're not, you know, the show only has so much time. You're not sitting in sacrament meetings, seeing them on the stand, or you know, all the comings and goings and meetings and stuff that they do like there is you know as a member who's the important you know who who are important <laughs> so yeah I think delivery was off that would never happen I don't think in a public place but I think it would have been masked in more nice language with you know slipping in some threats or yeah. reminders of your covenants like I could totally see that yeah, and, and I, I agree with you that kind of the spirit of what they're trying to get across, like they're not making it up, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but but the 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 applicant or the, the presentation, the way that they're showing it in the show, it's so exaggerated and so over the top to make the point that this really exists in this culture that it, it almost, for, for me at least, kind of undermines it. Okay, it, for members, for people that are, you know, like I... I don't think outsiders would think the same thing or be, you know, put off in the same way. I think it's more of a, oh, we know how it's done. That's not quite how it's done <laughs> kind of thing. What, what do you mean that that um, a non-Mormon looking at this? Yeah. Like yeah. someone just watching, they'd be like, oh, this is an important person that has influence. I think that would be the takeaway Yeah, more so than. But doesn't it bother they... you that then that then somebody who's not Mormon would think, wow, stake presidents really walk into police stations and wield that kind of power? Because then like you, you, you come away with it 
with this kind of false sense of the way that that power is actually used because of the way that this show portrayed it. I don't feel like that is accurate, even though I think most Mormons would look at their state president. I don't even know if that's true. Yeah, I don't even know. I, I have no idea. Wait, so you're saying, you're saying, so this is kind of a double imagination thing here. So imagine uh -huh. a not, you're, you're saying a non-member is watching this show and yeah. they get the impression that stake presidents in the Mormon church sure can influence like laws and investigations. Wow, that's kind of creepy. And you're upset because that's, or I mean, I want to, what, what more are you, what are your feelings on that, Glenn? Like, I, you're I, embarrassed it, by that or like, you I don't yeah. think it's real? Yeah, I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's unfair and unflattering. Um, it, it's a caricature. It's a caricature and an exaggeration of a very real sentiment that exists. Right. And, and again, I mean, this is just my take on it. And the reason I stopped talking before, I'm like, I, you know, like, who am I to try to step into somebody else's mind and say how they feel about it or not? Like, mm -hmm. I, 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 I kind of hesitate doing that. But, um, but, I but guess... yeah, the, the issue I have with it is that I feel like it, it, it's saying this is how things really are. And, and, it, and it sets the expectations of people that aren't really aligned with how things actually are. Okay. Yeah. To me, I think it almost just is like the whole show. It's showing you what could happen or what might. Like, this isn't like, this is what Mormons are. It's more of a showing you the potential of these situations. And I think there have been plenty. I have heard enough stories where involvement of leaders has gone way overboard, stepped over way too many, you know, boundaries yeah. where this is just something that could. Yeah happen <laughs> yeah and that, and that reminds me when you said i've heard so many stories it, it reminds me of um like ye years ago I, I think this was even a mormon expression episode before we started infants on thrones that there were several of us that reviewed the book of mormon movie volume one i don't think they ever oh. made a volume two and there there's this scene um when nephi layman and lemuel they're still in jerusalem i think it was like the 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 taking the brass plates to layman and you know like the story is they go the first time he says no so then they go the second time but in disguise and he says no and and just like when you hear that story you don't really think about it in the same ways that you do when you see it on screen mm -hmm. and like watching that on screen made me go oh my gosh that's so stupid how would they have hid themselves like layman <laughs> wouldn't have known oh this is just like this is just lemuel with a mustache now you know oh, he's got he's got glasses on who is this person it, it it was kind of that sort of thing to me that yeah i've heard stories about like stake presidents that are totally uh, abusing their power exercising unrighteous dominion and that sort of thing but seeing it on the screen especially the way that this actor played it like there are parts like i could see some stake presidents being so like confident and smug like he played that smugness really well For sure. um but but then kind of like the menacing threats at the end, it just, it, what, the way that I interpret it when I see the actor playing that is that he's like, I know that this church isn't true and you better be careful because if you're not, 
if, if, if you don't shut up, then other people are going to know that it's not true too. And, and we're trying to keep the fact that it's not true a secret from everybody else. Maybe and, he does think that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <know. laughs> but but I, I think to, to your question, Ren, that, that's sort of the thing that I have an issue with, that, that kind yeah. of misrepresentation of just like normal, regular people that get caught up in their beliefs. But for the most mm-hmm. part, I think most Mormons want to do right by each other and by others around them. And that is not being, that's not coming out in this show. Okay. This is, this is a little bit tangent, but, and I should know the answer to this, but I'm thinking about it and I'm trying to get the answer to it, but I really can't. And the question is, what is it that stake presidents actually do? (laughs) (laughs) Why are they such a like important role in the church? They, they reinforce the, the, the belief among the common members that you need the leaders for your own salvation, that the leaders are really important. They just kind of reinforce, look, look outside of yourself towards an authority. Yeah, I get, I get, I mean, that's what yeah. I think. Well, yeah. Okay. That's, that's their function as like a, the, the cultural, culture, cultural yeah. function. Yeah. But I mean, like administratively like what what is it exactly (laughs) (laughs) they make they make sure that the people beneath them are doing the things that they're supposed to do maybe Ah. they they keep everyone in line they hear all the gossip and (laughs) dish dish things out accordingly go to go to people at their place of work and tell them to get in line i guess so but yeah i get what you're saying glenn like i totally i feel that way too about I know state presidents that I love still that are yeah. good people, but yeah. I think this could happen. This is could happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Next comment from Tom. And then the other one was it along the same lines where Jeb's family was trying to go to church. And I think it was a state president's wife that confronts him outside and has a really awkward interaction. And then essentially issues threats. Um, I don't know. I guess that could happen. It just felt, I, I, I don't know. It took me a little off. If it's, if, if people have stories like that, that would be, I would, I would kind of have to take a seat back and say, well, then that was portrayed really well, but it took me out of it just because I haven't had any interactions like that. Okay. Yeah. That's really honest though. What he's saying, because mm-hmm. I have had experiences like that. Yeah. I have had moments where people have the audacity to come up to you and say, I just wanted to let you know that I think you're making a terrible mistake yeah. <laughs> and that kind of thing. So I thought that character, even though the majority, I think of members would just ignore that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, this, this ordeal, there are those that will approach you and say yeah. things like that. Yeah. It's scary. <laughs> Yeah, my, my mom had a, a situation like that when I was a teenager and just some woman in the ward kind of took it upon herself to make a list of things that my mom could work on to improve herself. And, <laughs> you know, yes. also to let her know, you know, that, that there are people in the ward that say things about you. And so I'm going to let you know. And these are things that you could do to improve yourself and you'll be better and you're welcome. Just and mind it just your, devastated mind- her, my mom. Mind your own business, Karen. Like, stay <laughs> in your own lane over yeah. there. <laughs> but, yeah. um, 
did you i think that that lady who confronted uh jeb's wife or uh, you know at that uh when they were coming to church i think she the actress has been in like um popular mormon uh, movies like singles oh, really? Lord and stuff yeah i'm pretty sure i was huh. gonna look it up for it but i <laughs> she's definitely i think a, one of those one of those character actors or whatever that's interesting See, I, I and again i i took i take issue with the the choices that that actress made in portraying that character because it like there, there's there's some mormon scenes that i think they do really really well in playing off the kind of like um we're all happy and we'll just laugh at each other and we'll make you know like silly jokes and ha 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 you know like that seems very very real and even when we're delivering bad news we're still going to do it in kind of like this this happy way like hers was was very like so over the top judgmental and like i i get that if somebody comes up to you and says what <clears throat> they said to you jess or what was said to my mom you would feel like that but the delivery still might be kind of like oh i'm happy and i didn't okay Here's what I have to say about that, though, because yeah. there have been many instances where people have made comments out loud or I've shown a friend like, look what <laughs> look what someone just sent me. And they'll read it and be like, I don't it doesn't sound that mean like it doesn't mm. sound. But to me, the language that's being used or, you know, the way that they're hitting on points that only a member would know there is a delivery about like this very sweet nature, so, which they aren't doing in the show as much with these moments. Yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of people, it would go over their mind, like there's nothing wrong. Okay. The thing I hear most when I hear Mormons referenced in any kind of podcast, just in general, is just how kind and nice mm -hmm. and, you know, amicable they are. And that's true. You know, that's the presentation of, and it's a really wonderful quality overall too. But there's that potential for the passive aggressive oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that it can be so cruel wrapped yeah. up in the nicest bow. Yeah. And, and I think some, sometimes those messages don't land the same without it being emphasized like this in the show, mm. like the message behind some of the attempts of being like, I'm going to help you ends up stabbing you. <laughs> so that's yeah. how i feel have you have yeah. you watched uh our flag means death on uh hbo max i've watched the first first and a half episodes oh you gotta uh, i know my kids keep telling me i need to soldier on yeah there's a bit where blackbeard learns about passive aggressiveness edward Me. everything all right yes i couldn't help but notice that that captain got under your skin what no okay his words though they sounded polite, but they stung. Yeah. That's called passive aggression. Pirates, they attack with force. The upper crust, they strike with cutting remarks, disguised as politeness. That's fucking diabolical. It is. And it's, oh, it's, just, see, and it's I, a I very funny to, episode. It's I haven't very gotten good. to Taika Waititi as Blackbeard yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pick up on it again. Okay. All right. Last, last one from Tom. The, the last thing that I had a problem with, um, and it's a small minor thing. That's what she said. <laughs> was where, um, the Lafferty wives wrote that letter to the prophet of the church, president Kimball. And Jeb says, 
yeah, they they wrote this letter, and they might have might as well have been writing to Heavenly Father Himself. That felt like a conflation. <laughs> I think writing a letter to the prophet is a big deal, without question, and we do revere the prophet. But equating the prophet with God Himself, I think even most Mormons would be like, that's nah, a bit too far. But uh, yeah, those are my thoughts. Anxious to hear you guys' thoughts. All right. You know anybody who's ever written The Prophet? Have you ever written The Prophet? My mom wrote The Prophet one time. For real? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she, she, uh, somebody, she, she'd made these little, like, crafts um, of, like, the Nauvoo Temple and the Salt Lake Temple um, mm -hmm. when the Nauvoo Temple was getting uh made remade mm -hmm. and uh, somebody was like i'm gonna take this to the to the prophet himself and she was like no you're not and he was like no i am i know him i'm gonna do it and she was like well if you are take him this letter <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah i i i get the sense that who, who was it that wrote the show lance black something lance black Dustin Lance, Dustin Lance Black has, has quite the axe to grind against the Mormon church. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it, you know, every single one of us have filters that are created from our own experience and wh whatever that filter is made from, it's a legitimate filter. So I'm not taking anything away from anybody who has any opinion at all about this. It reflects your experience with it. But I, I, I do feel like the times where my filter and Dustin's filter don't align are, are the reasons why I get like annoyed with it. And I'm like, I just, it seems a little heavy handed over the top. Like, is this show, it, it, it almost at times seems like it's just an excuse to spew venom uh, about like the, the stuff that Mormons want to keep hidden, but we're not going to let them keep, keep it hidden. So take this, take that. Now, now how do you like it? Kind of feeling behind it. Yeah, I think uh, like Jess said it pretty well, like on our first review when she was like, it, it feels like you know, what an ex-Mormon would want to say yeah. to somebody like right after they have become an ex-Mormon, you know. That, yeah, and that's the reception that I see in like the groups that I'm in, which I'm not as active in anymore, but I've checked periodically and they're eating it up. Like mm -hmm. they love it. And I think it really does speak to that yeah. group. Yeah. A lot, or people just in particular that have had a lot of trauma with it, mm. which there are people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, li I listened to this uh, uh, leftist podcast called uh, Street Fight Radio, and um, they were talking about it on, on there, but mm -hmm. they were like really fascinated with the like sovereign citizen aspect of the Lafferty's, mm -hmm. you know, their whole like tax evasion group. Like that was such a that's a like where do you know glenn or is it in the book uh like what the group is or like talking about like i don't no. know some kind of crazy libertarian group i don't know no, i don't know but uh do they still exist well i mean like the uh who's what's the guy's name that took over the ranch in like nevada and then the people who took over the bird refuge in uh eastern oregon yeah 
Um, yeah, I, I don't remember their names, but I know Bundy? those groups. Bundy, Ted, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bundy, yeah. Yeah. So, I think yeah. that's the same. I think it's same Al Bundy. Name. Al and his, <laughs> and his crazy family. Crazy family. <laughs> the live movie. action Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, to Tom's point about the letter, like, um, was there a real letter? Like, was that, is that a real, like, uh, historic, like, I don't know. I don't remember if that if that was true or not, or if that was another one of these things that they just kind of made up. Because then you can say that the prophet is just like God to Mormons. Because that is, I mean, I know like that line is pretty cheesy. Like, yeah, nobody would say that. Yeah, nobody would say that. But like the reaction to hearing another, like a person in your ward, if you heard that they had written a letter to the prophet, wouldn't you just be like, (laughs) 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 yeah. <laughs> like yeah. who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that'd be interesting to know if it was because that would I mean you'd have to be in a pretty desperate place to think that like okay the only way out of this is if I write direct straight to the prophet. Like that's that's a really big hail mary I think. All right. So you guys said that you had some some broader kind of topics beyond, or is there anything more specifically about this episode that you want to talk about, or do you want to move on to the broader? Stuff? I think I think a fun little spinoff on this episode is when that nerdy cop was in the forest, like lost, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he ran into that trapper guy. Yeah. What was that? I yeah. Don't know. What I think would be a great payoff to that whole scene would be if we see at like a fast and testimony meeting that nerdy cop being like. And I think I ran into John the Baptist. No, oh, that would be funny. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. When Tanner and I were watching, we were like, he's going to say it's one of the three Nephites or yeah. something, like walking along. But yeah, that was weird. Yeah. The dad is obviously getting even more crazy. Him and his cane, like busting in on that alley scene, which yeah. that that poor, like, unassuming girl that's just there smoking her cigarette having a good old time <laughs> dan just freaking out yeah but yeah. yeah that whole it's that family they've got issues kneeling and praying in public that would be man i know like I, did you know families that would like pray at restaurants oh for sure that was i could i couldn't cross that line <laughs> i was just like we're not doing that no <laughs> I, I specifically, one of the biggest takeaways from this was that car scene with Dan and his wife and they're speeding up oh. and he's sharing the, what's it called? The peacemaker. The peacemaker, which I had to look up more yeah. about because I had only heard of it, but like, okay, we all know families where the husband was really like kind of a dick. But this really just highlights to me that feeling that you feel as a woman, even though it's exaggerated in the scene of like, am I good enough? Do Mm -hmm. it like, do I have enough sway or important things to say here when making decisions or am I going to be put in my place? And, you know, thankfully I never really experienced that maybe because I'm more outspoken and I'm just like, you will listen to me. Mm -hmm. But um, I could feel that in that scene and it felt, true that feeling of am i like is what i have to say important yeah so that kind of stuck with me which looking into that letter or what what even was it was it like the a peacemaker? pamphlet uh-huh. yeah i i 
I had heard about it, but I'd totally forgotten about it. So I went and looked it up too. In fact, I, I toyed with the idea of like reading it. I might do it. I might read it okay. and attach it to this episode. But my suspicion, and I, I don't know, like, I like Joseph Smith. I'm, I'm an, I'm an ex Mormon who actually <laughs> likes Joseph Smith. Right. So I, so I gave him a little bit more benefit of the doubt on things. I don't think he wrote it. Oh no, I, he I, didn't. It doesn't, it sounds like he published it though. Well, like it, was it was something... his, it was his printing press that published it, but then he got pissed that they okay. had done it without him knowing. But isn't that because it was kind of like a, like a feeler piece that was put out Probably. through Nauvoo and everyone was receiving it terribly. They're like, what is this? This is polygamy. And then after the reception kind of got going, he was like, oh, this is trash. Like, and denied involvement. Like, I think that might, there might be something there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to me, there's no question that Joseph was um, practicing polygamy and wanted to keep it quiet. And that anytime somebody would come forward, like uh, John C. Bennett or somebody, somebody else would come forward and, and, and say something publicly about it, which would kind of force Joseph to lie, <laughs> force him to lie. He had no problem lying, but, but, you know, put him in a position where he had to deny that he was doing this, but he actually did. So I, I, I do think that, but I, because of that, I, I don't think that he was motivated to write things and then publish it. I think he wanted to keep it really quiet. And there were other people who wanted to publish it and to do it in his name. And when that happened, he got pissed because he knew this isn't going to fly with, with people. But I'm trying, we're trying to keep this quiet. And, don't and you think there was a part of him, though, that was like, oh, maybe they'll like it. And then he could not do it so secretly. Like, I don't think his intent always was to keep it secret. He wanted it to be a thing. Not, that's, I mean, I, who, I knows? Know, who knows, <laughs> yeah. who knows, who knows? Like I, 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 in trying to understand my own like relationship to how I feel about Joseph Smith, I don't even know why I feel about him the way that I do. But I, I know that when I was a missionary and I would listen to the Truman J. Madsen tapes i freaking loved those and 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 so i i think a lot of the way that i view joseph smith comes from the way that he was presented in that and the different stories about him and, and stuff i think that's kind of stuck with me um but but there's also times where i i don't know like if i try to put myself in that situation and think how would i react and respond which again isn't joseph smith but it, it's it's i think why i feel the way that i do about this i I don't think there, there, I haven't seen anything that indicates to me that he really wanted this to be uh, publicly known or accepted. And I think the whole temple uh, ceremony in creating these small secret groups where if you reveal what we're doing is going to be met with blood atonement or, you know, you, the, these, these punishments were part of the way that he was trying to spread it, but keep it quiet. Um, and, and I also think that it was other people besides him that were even bigger proponents of it than, than he was. Not, not that that excuses him or anything, but I, I think that it was a bigger thing that got, he got swept up in. And, but anyway. Well, setting that aside, yeah. he definitely was a complex individual. Yeah. I, I mean, I do know that the Peacemaker comes back into play with Brigham Young, like mm -hmm. going into Utah. He used that yeah. to kind of... Uh, further his promotion of polygamy but so I know anyway <laughs> what do you have Brent oh um 
Well, this is kind of related to what you were just talking about, Glenn, because what the kind of broader subject that I wanted to bring up um, is, and it's interesting uh, listening to you tonight because of the kind of flip you've had on the show, you know, going toward <laughs> like, um, because the very first like Infants on Thrones episode you put out talking about it, you you talked about how this uh, is a portrayal of like mental illness kind of yeah collapsing in a specific ideology and you're mm. saying made the comment you've made this comment a couple times about like it, it would it would still be the same whether it was like catholicism or whether it was uh, uh you know some other religion or some other you know uh ideology i guess um and I, what i want to understand is um like I, I see your point there but um it's unsettled it's unsettling inside of me and i'm trying to understand yeah. like what about it is unsettling to me because good i feel like um i i feel like when you say that it's a defensive kind of thing of like hey hey now you know mormonism you know is it's not any worse than any other religion or or you know ideology why is that important to you or like why yeah you want to get be, that be, point across be, because I, I want i want to really get to the root cause uh of you know like what is it that is the problem here the, the the problem here was um you know dan and ron lafferty thinking that it was okay to take somebody's life right you know like the, they, they got to a point where they were so sensitive so insensitive to another person and they they got uh, so much into to to anger or um, their own pride. Uh, so so I really want to get to the root cause of what that thing is, and and then you can look at all of the the things that contributed to it in this case because they were born in the time and place that they were. They were surrounded by the culture that they were. They took the the items of the symbols that they were uh, that were around them to get to the place that they got to. But, but if you're trying to place blame and say, well, see, the, it, it's Mormonism then, and Mormonism is what creates the problem. I, I feel like you're missing the point of like, uh, th there's other people that get to this, <laughs> this place. That, that's not really the root cause. And um, yeah, I, I think that that's it. It's, it's, I, I, I feel like it's, it's missing the point and it starts going down uh, rabbit holes that then like if, if I'm acting in a way that's like Dan and Ron, but it's not Mormon ways. I, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't articulate it very well right now. Yeah. So I guess that kind of gets back to the, you know, conversation we had last time about like, uh, well, not last time, but I just listened this morning to the, the, when we, our discussion about, violence and like where violence comes from and so when you talk about the root cause getting down to the root cause um if the root cause isn't mormonism it wasn't their ideology you've said you know broadly speaking mental illness which is okay like but there's got to be a root cause to the mental illness right yeah i mean and so if it it sounds like you're saying something inside the Lafferty's drove them to this decision. Um, 
and that something that was inside them could be inside anybody in any in any condition mm. could be inside anybody in any condition i guess i guess it could be but 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 let, let's try to identify like what was it that was in them what is the thing that we're talking about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes the i want to say that in this specific case with the Lafferty's, the thing that was inside them was Mormon ideology. And, um, and not all Mormon ideology, only, only a select Mormon. Ideology. Yeah, true. That's true. Only like the parts that they chose, right? The, the parts that, the parts that fit the, the parts that validated whatever it was that inside inside them that needed to be validated by these external stories and symbols mm. so what so what yeah that which brings us back to that so what was it inside them that needed to be validated i think from from, from watching the show i i would say part of it is that they never had they, they were never loved by their dad they they, they mm -hmm. were really never they they never experienced love they, they always had this like deep wound of I, I'm not good enough. And they couldn't accept that. I am good enough. I'm not good enough. I am good enough. And then I got to prove it. And so with that wound, they were attracted to those kinds of things that, I don't know, I'm, I'm talking about I'm out of my ass right now, Ren. I don't really know. Yeah, I think that's definitely like how the TV show is portraying it. That, yeah. the, you know, this, this lack of love from their family kind of I think or lack of acceptance from the community around them fe feeling like they they should have something that the government's taken away from them and that they're you know like i i don't i don't know all of the things i don't know who they were i don't really know what formed them right but right but the the same types of forces that formed them and that would attract certain uh parts of Mormonism into them, I think they would have found equivalent parts of other cultures to support and justify whatever they were, what's going on inside of them. And it, it you know, and, and Mormonism's got it. it it's, it, it's there, but again, it's not the, it's not, it, I, I, it's not fair to call it Mormonism because it's only a slice. It's only a small slice of Mormonism that they're uh, grabbing on to the use of justification. Why is it not fair? Yeah. Because it's not, it's not including like love Does one another. Does it have to? Okay. But I guess the, my question then would be, how would you define acceptable Mormonism to portray? It's like, there's so many different variations and they're all equally their own. Yeah take of mormonism like uh i know that's something lindsay hansen park talks mm -hmm. about a lot because she's done a lot of work with flds and some of those yeah you know uh more on the outskirts and that's something they run into a lot is like you are not really mormon or your experience is not a real mormon experience and of course it is of course it's their mormon experience and just because it's not the whole expansive experience doesn't make it less. 
Right. But, but I guess if, if you're making the statement that says that Mormonism is a, is a breeding ground for dangerous people, you like Mormonism is a, there is a lot that's in there. Well, that's and like saying the, politics is a breeding ground right. for dangerous, like, right. It, 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 exactly. So, so follow that. So does that, what does that tell you? Like how, how helpful is that to say that politics is, is this or our education well, system or economics or capitalism? Me, it's very helpful to highlight those shadowy parts because then it helps you bring that into awareness when you're moving through it or yeah. you interact with it. I, I agree. And you said shadowy parts. So what are the shadowy parts of Mormonism that are dangerous for breeding grounds instead of just saying Mormonism? Okay. Toxic the shadowy masculinity. Parts. Yes. <laughs> like I agree that with you. Stuff. And, and it's, it's those kind of subjects that are highlighted more prevalently in this kind of culture, in this kind of religion where other religions, other groups, systems have yeah. different things that are highlighted. Right. So, so, so you've got, you've got within the teachings of Mormonism enough to support toxic masculinity, but you also have enough to not be a toxic masculine asshole and still be a good Mormon. I don't know. That's, I think that's the, <laughs> where I don't know if that's true or not. Really? I, yeah. So, so to... you think, you think that all Mormon men are like, are toxic? I think that I think that the inherent structure of Mormonism um, is toxically masculine. Promotes that. Is that? Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Look at the structure, the power structure of the church. Where is the matriarchal <laughs> like, mm -hmm. influence? Where's the power in anything that a woman does? It's very, it's nothing. <laughs> so, um, oh, that hurts to hear. Do, do you right. feel like that? That everything that that anything that you did in the church was nothing? There's a difference between having influence, which everybody does, has some sort of influence and meaningful influence, decision making influence. Uh, yep. Yeah, I definitely felt that. I knew in meetings that I had, you know, whether it was you know, I was in a couple presidencies when we would get together. I knew if I, I had the experience where I would bring an idea to the table and have it dismissed and then brought up from yeah. someone else yeah. that was a man. And so there's enough of us that have lived this experience of, okay, I have say, and I, I know I'm important and I'm doing work that other people don't really want to do, <laughs> but I'm not getting the kind of credit I never will that a man will get. Mm. And that's everywhere. That, that, that's not, I don't think that's just a Utah thing. I think that's a cultural thing. And everyone will feel it to varying degrees too, depending on, you know, their personalities or what, how when they feel validated. I don't know. When you say a cultural thing, do you mean Mormon culture? Or do you mean like Western culture in general? Like, are you? It expands to Western, but I, I think specifically Mormon culture. I, I think Mormonism is heavily influenced by, you know, Western ideals. Yeah, and, it came, it came out of it. And, and the whole uh, patriarchal 
gender inequality thing. Do, do, you, do you think it's getting better? I think it's becoming, people are becoming more aware. For sure. I think there are definitely more spokespeople, uh, people that are less afraid of telling their stories or speaking up. And although I think the church still does a really good job at, you know, downplaying that and, you know, planting seeds of, oh, these aren't, don't listen to these people. It's still, yeah, I, I can feel a shift but it's very gradual. What, yeah, what, I, what would help move that shift along? Go and go ahead, Ren, if you want to. And this is, I, I want to, the kind of broader topic and, and why I wanted to bring this up um, is because I feel like institutions and uh, ideologies um, are kind of creatures unto themselves, right? And sometimes when you're in a really big organization, you know, whether it's a religion or, or like a company even or something, the, the organization itself has to survive. And so it's almost as if everybody in the organization from like the president down is kind of a subject of the organization and are just kind of manifesting the organization's will, right? Um, whoa and yeah and <laughs> but in mormonism it feels very much like that there is there are there are 15 men who can change it at any time they wanted right like that's what you're taught as like uh, 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 growing up is that these 15 men they lead this thing and they're inspired directly by God. And um, if they could change it tomorrow and, it, and make it better, right? And, but they don't, right? And we are all left in the, here scrambling, asking these questions about like, is it getting better? Is our definitions of progressivism or, or like progress or like a better humanity? Why aren't we, they moving towards that? Why aren't these 15 men changing this changing the direction of this ship right and you know they might be you know trapped by the institution themselves right um but you've got i will give them credit because they did try to reverse racism right <laughs> like you think about that in in the you know the the priesthood ban and the reversal of that like, yes, it took them 15 years to get there, but they did do it. And these days, in the political environment that we're in these days, and the kind of like polarization that's happening, to see an institution, like, I don't know if an if they could do it today, right? Like, I, in fact, I think we've witnessed that it's impossible for them to do that. When the prophet, you know, at the beginning of COVID was like, everybody get vaccinated, wear a mask. What happened? There was like fireworks in facebook and social media people yeah somebody and, should have told them that the prophet is almost like god and yeah. like <laughs> right so i feel like those 15 men they can't do it anymore right they can't steer this ship i don't know <laughs> i have no idea what to do with that like i i i i, I love hearing your views, Ren, and, and learning more ab about 
how you see this. I, I but I, I don't really know what to do with it. The, the, one of the first things that you said, the, I, I got stuck on when, when you were saying that these uh, institutions kind of become an uh, entity unto themselves. But then, but then you said that, but these 15 men could change it if they wanted to. Because like my first thought when you're saying that it's like a, it's an institution or an organization, it's all made up of people. It, 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 it's humans making their decisions and going on through life. And you, you get enough of them that are aligned and they say, we're going to do it a certain way. And yeah, but you're right. Like anytime they say, well, we want to change. You want to do it a different way you could. Um, so I don't know about that. They take on the life of themselves. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say to that. I, I I've turned my, I don't give a shit about those 15 men. I, they have zero power over me or my life. They have zero power over the life of my, my daughters. They, they, they just don't matter unless you're of the mindset that they do. <laughs> Which they matter a lot to a lot, to of, a lot people. of people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's the choice that is being made by the people to say, just like it was a choice of me to walk away and go, you know what? I'm not going to give you guys the power here. Like, where does the power really exist then? Does, does the power exist in them and in this institution that's taken on a life of its own? Or for me that says, you know, no, I'm, I'm going to ignore that. Uh, you guys want to excommunicate me? Okay. I mean, you don't, but fine, whatever. Like, I'm just, I'm done playing your games. I don't recognize your authority over me or my life or the life of my kids. And, you know, it just, it just isn't. So you guys want to steer the ship of whatever it is in whatever direction you want to go, go, go do it, do it, go ahead. Fine. I'm going to steer my ship. I think one issue that I take with what you're saying right now is that with choices, you know, making it sound like you had a choice, they have a choice, you chose to walk away. Is this really like a choice of full consent though? I mean, if you have no idea what other options are out there, this is your world. I don't think it's set up in in a way where most majority of members really feel like it's a choice. Yeah. So, well, I don't know that. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know how to speculate for how most members feel with it, but there, there are the, you're free to choose, you know, like I'm thinking about this Kenneth Cope song at EFY when I was a kid that was, you're free to choose. (laughs) You know, It seemed like it was a free agency and choice was a big thing, even though you really only should, should choose this thing. But like you, you chose Jess, what, like what was what was the process of you choosing to to leave, or or, or do you not see it as a choice? Do you feel like I, you were kind of compelled to because your shelf got so heavy that you couldn't hold it up anymore? Because I've heard I've heard people describe it in different ways. Choosing to leave or choosing yeah, to join. like whether it's a choice or whether it's not a choice. Um, well, it's def- to me, I would classify it as a choice, but I only have whatever options are in front of me. So for me at the time, you know making choices along the way to widen my perspective, broaden other choices. But I don't know. Speaking to the leadership, though, I definitely think it's more of a thing now because I do, too, have compassion for even the highest up men (laughs) because it does feel to me 
like a system that's put in place where the 99 matter more than the one in the grand scheme of things. And that to me is probably where I take issue with it at all is just the fact that they want to promote the idea of, you know, Christ's message of going after the one, but it's obvious that they don't really do that. <laughs> so I think they're in a pickle and you're left to kind of keep the masses happy and keep the ball rolling. And, you know, I don't envy that. So I don't know. Are, are, are you happy? <laughs> this, is a, this is a really difficult question. I know. Are, are you happy with the decisions that you made and to leave the church and you're, you're happy with where you are in your life? Not saying that everything's perfect and, you know, there aren't, you know, but like, how are you, how are you doing with Am these choices that you've made? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, I don't know if it's happy though. Like, I don't yeah. know if I'd use happy. It's just, it is, this is where I am. This is where all of my little choices and all the directions that I've turned have brought me. It's, you know, there have been moments where I've looked back and thought, oh, that was really comfortable. Like I miss that. Or especially if I hear stories of friends that are still in or family members that are suffering like that hurts. But I also know they're on their own, you know, path of choices and, and twists and turns they're going to take. But I don't know. I, I'm not one of those that's ever been like, oh, I'm so much happier now because I think that's an illusion. It's not... Mm -hmm. I think it's trying to sell something just like when you say, I'm so much happier when I join the church, it's we're human. We're going to have experiences good and bad in any environment that we're in, but I don't know. What are you getting at? <laughs> I would, I would say I would, the way I would frame it is that I would, I would still make the choice. Right. You know, yeah. I, I would, I, and, you know, we think of choices as like an event where, they cannot once you've made the choice you're done with it but it's a choice that you keep making and i keep making the choice yeah. myself that i'm done with it and mm -hmm. and i much prefer the other side of it yeah yeah i i i guess to, to answer your question just what what am i going for i i don't totally know except that for, for me, when I look around where I am right now and what I'm doing with my life, if, if I'm able to say, yeah, I, I like what's going on. I, I, I might not like everything about it. There might be some things that I'm still like struggling with, but, but generally I'm happy with the way that things are going. I'm happy with my life. Then I can look back on things that I've been through, even like the, the hard things and go, yeah, I, I learned something from that and I'm a better person because of it. And, you know, look for the good, right? Uh, look, look, look for the good, see it, make sure that, 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 that everything that I'm looking at that contributed to the way that my life is right now, if I'm just focusing on the shitty stuff, I'm going to be missing out on the other things. Let's get some more balance with it. I, I, I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from, but I, I, I just, I, I don't think about what the church is doing wrong and what the church needs to do better anymore I, I, okay but I what about, about like, the people don't you associate with anybody though that still is in that is struggling like is there anyone yeah. that, in your circle like and that I'm not saying I don't live in a state of like anger or frustration it's more of a I get reminded and this show reminds me of a lot of the trauma yeah. that happens and so to me it's like I can't just leave 
there's a big enough part of me that feels like because I've been through this, I have an extra space of compassion in my heart for whatever anyone's going through and to just say, oh, it, it doesn't bother me anymore. Like that is, it feels, I don't know. Yeah. Entitled. Yeah. Do yeah, she dismissive a dismissive? little bit? <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't want to be dismissive, but I, I really, I truly believe that every single person has this transformative power and that, that the way that you see the world is the way it's going to show up for you. Yes. And, and that's we, very helpful. Like yeah. that's a, a very helpful tool that you have grown right. and used. Right. So. Right. And, and so I'd like to help others to see you've got this power too. You've got, you've okay. got these tools too. And so but first you have to look at them where they are, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. I do. And, and like, especially when I'm, when I'm working in, in coaching and I'm, I'm working with somebody and we've <laughs> talked like, where are you at? Let's talk about where you're at. Let's talk about what's going on. Where would you like to be? Um, what, what can, what can we do to, to get where that is? And, and when the stories are all about the things in the past that are bad, like, okay, all right, let's talk about that as long as you need to. Okay. Where is it getting you? You know, you're heard, you're heard now. Here's, here's what the problem is. Now you're creating these neural pathways that just reinforce these stories over and over again. And you get these dopamine hits because you're sharing them with other people who are telling you, oh yeah, me too, that's good. That's great. But it keeps you in this perpetual loop where all you're seeing now is this victim mode and you're not seeing your power. You're not seeing the power that you have to, to make those changes. And, and to free yourself from the psychic bondage that the Mormon church had put you in by making you think that you didn't have power. Yeah. And, and like th those situations where you sat in and you've got a great idea and people don't hear it. And then some dude comes and claims it and they're like, Oh, that's a great idea. Like, what did that do to, to your sense of yourself? You know, like, and how do we reverse that? And I think you are reversing it. And I think you have reversed it because you recognize that I don't want to be in a place that is treating me like this. So I'm not going to be right. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're right that like everybody has that power, that transformative power within them and um, getting like helping people with that is it's not something you can like, you can't will that onto somebody just, to, you know, like, oh, and you can't. It, it's, uh, it's really, it's, I, I don't know what I'm trying to, I have not formed any of these thoughts yet. <laughs> They're just kind of really right on my brain. But I want to say that the environment that they're in has to change. Like they can't, ah. they can't will yes. themselves out of, out except, of, except, except the environment there's an outer environment and there's an inner environment and mm. when you're talking about the power of transformation you do have some influence over your inner environment regardless of what's going on outside of you and uh, about a year ago it, it, it's close to like july last year but i i was coaching someone this is one of my favorite <laughs> experiences with coaching because she was the only person in her family that was out of the church and she had like a big family reunion coming over there, like 50 people. They were going to be in a cabin with no Wi-Fi, no air conditioning, sweltering heat in the middle of summer for three days. And she didn't get triggered once. She came back and she was so happy. 
And, and like when she would go to, to church with her family, she's like, I don't get triggered now. Why? Because she started, she, 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 she stopped thinking about the things that they're saying that hurt her and started thinking more about like, I wonder what's going on. I wonder why they're saying this. I, I wonder what they're, what's behind the words, what's behind the symbols. And she got, she was just more curious and she knew that she loved them. And so she really thought more about the love that she has for him, trying to understand and, and realizing they're not really doing this to hurt you and you're not really being hurt by it. But when you think that you are, you feel that, you know? And, and so it's this real kind of tricky, like, like we had this conversation, Ren, and I don't know that I ever gave you a satisfactory answer about it, but like, where's that line between gaslighting somebody and yeah. saying, you really do have the power of like how, how you think about things, how you perceive things is going to impact the way that you feel and, and your lived experience. So you do have responsibility here. <laughs> I still don't know how to say that in a quick pithy way on a podcast that people are going to go, oh yes, I like that. Unless they've already done some work and they know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's what I'm, that's where I'm going any for Jess. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like one thing I hear you saying is it's it's more a matter of living in that state, like staying in that. Like you don't have issue with people purging some of the <laughs> drama and working through it. It's and to me, this show feels a lot like that, whether it's you know motivated by the director or creator or just this community of people that are traumatized, yeah. but it, bringing it to light, surfacing this, like allowing people to see this, their experience kind of lived out, maybe just chunks of it resonate or yeah. not. It feels like that stage of healing almost where you're like, this is what happened, or this is how I feel. And then hopefully, you know, people will find people like you, Glenn, and, and other people that can give them tools to build upon you know, what you do next, but. Yeah, this brings us to the second choice, right? So mm. your first choice is, are you gonna, are you, are you gonna stay with this church or not, right? Are you gonna, are you gonna be in there? Are you gonna leave? Because Glenn, I feel like what's kind of kicked us into this conversation is that question you asked Jess about 15 minutes ago of like, do you think it's getting better? Oh, and, oh, the, yeah, gender inequality. And I, and what I yeah. meant by that was in the world. Oh, you meant in the world. I thought yeah, I, I just, I just meant either. like the overall, like, I, yeah, because I'm not, I, I don't give a shit about the truth. I'm not talking about, oh. the, you know, like, just, just like, do, do you think the conditions in the world, the, the way that, the, the, the way that people mm -hmm. treat other people in general is getting mm. better? I think we're working through a lot of shit because the, 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 the nature of, social media and the internet is bringing things to light that were hidden. And so as yes. these things are coming into light, we're more like, no, we're not going to put up with this anymore. We're not mm -hmm. going to put up with this anymore. And, and we're going through these growing pains. Mm -hmm. But I do think as a result, things are getting better. Like pe people are like more on guard, even if they resent it. Like, oh, I can't say that. because It's just a joke. It's not a threat, but I can't say it anymore. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. Good. Let that die out. And then the younger generations will come in and 
you know, it thinks ebb and flow, like cultures <laughs> ebb and flow, they go up and down. Yeah, I thought you were referring specifically to the the institution of the church. No, I, I, I no, no. There, there were two things I meant. One was generally, and then also just kind of specifically for for you, Jess. Are, are you feeling like you're that that you are you, you have people in your life now who respect you that are men that uh, you're not in those places anymore where there's this culture that reinforces toxic masculinity. Have, have you been able to like it? Are, are things getting better for you in, in your life that way? So I kind of meant it. I was aiming at both of those things with that question. Well, it was fruitful nonetheless, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it does kind of take the wind out of the sails of the thought I was going to make here. Oh, I won't. Let's, <laughs> let, let, let's put more wind in it. Let's do it. Okay. Because I was talking about the second choice you got to make, right? So yeah. Jess was mentioning, like, she was she was saying that you can you can get stuck or you can live in that state of like constantly purging your trauma or 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 be constantly building these neural pathways that continue to frame you as a victim of this oppressive force, mm-hmm. um, and with the question of, you know, do you think it's getting better? If you really, like, if you really want um, something like the church to get better, whatever that means, um, then you have to, you do have to stay in it, right? You have to stay in that space because you have to stick with the trouble. You've got to give the feedback to the church that, it is creating this, mm. this problem, right? We're, we're, we're going back to the root cause question. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so to, if you do choose, so your second choice then is do, do you really take the power unto yourself and, and no longer let the power, the, the church have any power over you? Because if you do that, you also forfeit any, any power you might've had onto the church i don't know i mean i think we're thinking about power in different ways because <laughs> to, to me the, the the power can't be forfeited and it and it never was the church's mm. um the, the 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 power like when i talk about the power of transformation i'm i'm talking about the biology that would you would breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide you're transforming the world around you without even meaning to you like these these disturbed air molecules that we're creating right now through speech are hitting eardrums and going in and they're being transformed into meaning and they're being filtered through your experiences my experiences and they're like i'm creating meaning right now I'm hearing the same words that you guys are saying, but it means something different to me. I've created that. My biology has created that. My, my neurology, my mind has created that. And that has nothing to do with the Mormon church or any other institution. So the question is, do I recognize that I'm creating that? And, and do I recognize that I, ha- I can make certain decisions that will shape what's being created rather than have it be shaped by other people because, A, I don't really know that it's a power. I don't really know that I'm doing it. And I just create all these automatic programs that I don't give a second thought to because I'm not aware of it. So, so I think the second question, if I understand what you were asking, right? Like, so, so first you say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave. And then the second question is, am I going to claim my power? Is that kind of what you were asking? Or if, 
Yeah. So it yeah sounds like you're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, if I do leave, then I'm surrendering my power. I, um, yeah. Can I just say one thing really quick? Because to yeah. me, it sounds more like with the talk of power, if you are starting to recognize that you have your own power, yeah, then it's more a question of where will my power lead me instead yeah. of a, a fork or a, you know, this or that, because I do, I felt that too at a, you know, a certain point, like where, what kind of influence will I have? Will it be more useful or important? But letting that drop, it was more a matter of where do I feel compelled to go? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And there will be people like, you know, many of these people that are speaking out now that are still members and have audiences where they've followed that power inside of them, I believe anyway, I trust that they do. And that's where their influence is, you know, being used for. But to say that it's one or the other, I think that's limiting. It's more of, you know, you can be in so many different places and have completely different full power moments where you're, <laughs> you know, reaching people and, and using that. Could, could you give me an example of your power? Like when you talk about recognizing that you have power, like what, what are some of the powers that you have, Jessica? I think one of my personal powers is that I'm, it's not hard for me to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you, you also said, I think, and that right there is a power. Okay. Yeah. I think a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know a lot. I, I yeah. mean, I learn a lot but I don't certainly know, <laughs> but yeah. I think that allows at least from feedback that I've gotten from friends or family members, it kind of helps foster an environment where you feel like you can say anything. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something I felt in the church. That's something I feel out of the church. That's something I feel interacting with anyone, wherever they are. So I don't know. Yeah. Is that a power? I'm just, I'm, I'm curious to see what, like when you're, when you're using the word power, what kind of things you're thinking about. So like, I'm, yeah, I, I just, that was a clarifying question just to understand where you're coming from better. Well, some people have the power of words where they're just very articulate and they write mm -hmm. things that are compelling. And I feel that like through social media, if I'm involved, you know, in those circles there where they can write feelings to where you can just immediately understand what they're trying to convey and that's powerful mm -hmm. you can tell stories that really sink in and help someone understand something better that's a power yeah i don't know traits yeah characteristics <laughs> that's a good this is a good talk this is a lot of fun yeah yeah <laughs> we, we got down and dirty on this one yeah Anything more to wrap up uh, episode four of Under the Banner of Heaven? How many episodes are there going to be? Is there like seven? Uh, seven? Okay. Well, yeah. what did you think, think of the? I think God's going to rest on the seventh one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. A break. That stupid. That was dumb. <laughs> that was a that was a bad use of my power. Well, I want to hear what you guys think about the scene with Joseph and Emma, like towards the end. Oh, yeah. With DNC 132 playing out there oh, on the yeah. screen. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I mean, it. obviously, we, ha yeah, we have no idea the conversations in between there, but it was fun to kind of see, mm -hmm. especially Emma and her power kind of yes. be like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, he's got to destroy me? 
God's yeah. gonna destroy me. <laughs> Do you remember who I am? <laughs> kind of thing. I love that line. He was in like full suit yeah. then of like I'm president. <laughs> like, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I, I loved her like I was there, Joseph, when you translated the plays. <laughs> yeah. That was wonderful. Yeah, it's well, it's 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 another example of where uh, the 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 choices that are being made in depicting these things aren't the choices that I would make. But I don't know what, you know, like that's not realistic. Who knows? I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't would, know. If my, you like, would have J Joseph Smith putting his arm around Emma and giving her a back rub and like telling her, yeah, <laughs> like, everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> I, I think I think I would put my arm around Emma and give her a back rub and okay. not not step out with the Partridge Sisters. But I I don't know <laughs> what I don't know how I would depict uh, Joseph and Emma in that scene. But like watching him close his eyes and channel God. <laughs> yeah, that that was, was a little something. That was a little yeah. disturbing. For totally was. But see, <laughs> for, for more than see... one reason. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> the parallels, though, with this, uh, like this historical story and then the Lafferty's, you know, I really see them tying in the progression yeah. with Joseph and, you know, seeing Dan go off the rails. Like, yeah. you see this power play dynamic between couples, especially in this episode. So, yeah. And I, and I guess, I, I guess the, the, going back to that kind of root cause conversation that we had again before, if, if you're looking at this and you're going channeling, okay, so channeling is the problem. If anybody claims to be channeling run, you know, like, Oh really? Is it channeling? That's the problem. Or is it the message itself? That's a message of exclusion rather than inclusion. That, that's like uh, stripping somebody else's power away instead of empowering them and encouraging them is that the problem? Like, what if, what if the channeled message was coming through and saying, love, be compassionate. And, you know, like, don't, uh, don't take things too seriously. You, you're all unique, accept each other being unique. Is, is that a, an, an evil, wicked channeled message that then you should be suspicious of? <laughs> so those, those are the kinds of questions quite personally, like for me, I'm like, you know, like, what is channeling? What is this whole thing? People should be nervous about it. I don't know. I, I don't like the way that it casts uh, with such a broad brush um, these, these kinds of aspersions on other things rather than on the actual message itself and what it's doing. Yeah, but you can't have, you can't have a good drama that's just like the message of... I know. Well, that's why, know. that's why... But, <laughs> The things that I want to have happen in dramas never happen because yeah, you need to, you need to create so... your own. You yeah, need to create but, your own show. But, but it's all good, based on conflict. Channeling. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, uh, no, no, no drama in a drama isn't a very good drama. That's right. <laughs> like everybody's just getting along and like happy with each other. Nobody wants to watch that. What a sad state of the world that we're in. Nobody wants that. Yeah. But, yeah, they're they're using that as an example they're using channeling to show the authority that's placed injected mm -hmm. into that thing yeah. just like a lot of these other things prayer can be wonderful and beautiful channeling 
could be wonderful and beautiful. But when you put a stamp of what right. I say goes, yeah. Yeah. Then, but, the, but it makes you look, I don't think it necessarily turns you off from any of those other things. It's just look at what it could do in the wrong kind of context. Yeah. So, which could be said of anything. It's like, I, I, I had this conversation. I don't remember who it was with once, but it, it, it was around some Sam Harris stuff about, I, I think it was in response to letter to a Christian nation and the, the way that Sam Harris would just kind of like deconstruct how poisonous religion is. And I'm like, okay, so, so by that same logic, no one should ever eat food because people do die of food poisoning a lot. And there's danger. You never know if you're putting something in your mouth, if somebody's put poison in it or it's rotten or not. So we really should just go to like supplements and vitamins that have been pre-approved by everything and just get rid of this whole thing where we're eating food. And, and it, it, it's that kind of misdiagnosis of like, it, it's not really religion that's the problem. The, the problem is when people are trying to, to strip away other people's rights in the name of I'm more powerful than you because of God or something like that, you know, but anyway, that's just where I've landed on this stuff. I know I, no, it's a lot good. of people see things very differently. It's cool. I like it. I think it balances things. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now I want to like reject all your ideas and then claim them as mine. Yeah, just just as that. a joke, but that's not going to happen. I won't let that happen. Right on. Okay. Any final words, Ren? No, I got to go talk to my dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore Lay down the weapons that you use against the world We don't need another war Put down the weapons that you use against yourself you Hi, this is Hillary Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith. Dashley And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones You can comment on this episode on the website InfantsOnThrones.com And if you really like what you hear Give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts float past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight.